All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here. Steve Parisi is here. It's a beautiful spring morning, southeastern Pennsylvania. And we're here to talk about life insurance and the business that we're in and the industry that we're in. And I'm excited about it. I'm not excited about it every day, but today I'm I'm feeling excited and and, and hopeful. Steve, how you doing? Good. I do feel excited about it every day. You are know, excited every day. I'm a, a strange one, I know, but it's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's a good strange. It's a good yeah. strange. So, you know, um, the folks who are listening to this might not know, but Steve definitely knows this. I'm somebody who's always trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. Um, and that that's something actually that turns me on, just, you know, thinking about that, trying to figure that out. So we want to talk to everybody out there today about really finding what you're passionate about. And um, there's so many distractions in this business and in the world in general, um, how to really kind of focus on what makes you happy, what you're good at, what brings you joy, and then, you know, how to make sure you're, you're monetizing that, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, so when did you realize that, you know, this was the thing for you. Uh, yeah. How you life insurance was your, your calling. Yeah. So when I really, I, I guess, gravitated toward it, gravitated to it and knew it was it, um, was probably at the executive benefits firm. I had spent some time at modeling illustrations and really getting to, to know the software, had exposure to home office reps that talked about how the software is written and really just seeing that we can put a dollar into a policy and you can choose where that dollar goes. And I'm like, this is the same product, but we can look at two options and one has significantly more value for the client. Like why on earth does everyone not do this? And what, what got me excited was because, was because before that, I had worked at a firm that sold a lot of higher base premium policies that did not have much cash value. It took 10 plus years to really build up value. And when I would see clients come in and raise objections with the owner of that of that firm and other agents there, it'd always be the same thing. Why is the cash value taking so long to build up? Why would I do this? This is not attractive to me. And they would battle. And uh, taking what I know now, and then at that executive benefit planning firm, I'm like, all right, why didn't they just show this? Because you can put the same dollar amount dollar amount into the policy, but have significantly more value. And it's what the client wants. Like, why doesn't everyone do this? And there's a million reasons why when you look at how the product works, if it's a compensation issue, whatever it might be. Well, everybody's like, got their own kind of ideology about a variety of things. Yeah, cor correct. Correct. But it was really that seeing just the same objection and same problem come up with clients all the time. They wanted to know how to get the most out of the money they were paying into the product. They were interested in the cash value benefits. A solution wasn't being provided or it took five hour long meetings to convince someone and they question it again on the yearly review. It's like, all right, just like show them the data and show them how to do it. So really learning how to do that and then seeing how complex it was and really having to spend time to know the rules of the game in order to, to master it like right. that. That got me excited initially. I hope that made sense. <laughs> totally made sense. Okay, cool. Um, did that make it, do you think that makes it easier for you 
with regards to make decisions in your business and to come up with a plan for the future. And, you know, when you're really so focused on something that you love to do and something that you you really enjoy talking about and believing in, I found that kind of stuff makes it a lot hard, easier, I'm sorry, for me to say no to some other things or um, not necessarily you say yes to everything, but when faced with business opportunities or certain paths, it's pretty easy for me to then identify uh, not so much what I'm good at, but what I'm not good at or yeah. where I'm not, I don't have a lot of passion and saying, you know what, that's just not something that really turns me on or, you know, I'm not excited. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so uh, I've been a yes man most of my life where it's like say yes to everything and try and help everyone. I have and we have as a company made the decision to say no to other lines of business. And even times people are looking for for whole life insurance or cash value life insurance, what we do, we've got qualification parameters now before we take take someone on um, just because we we decided to make that change based on what how we've grown over the years, where we're at now, really who we work with best from a client standpoint. So it is difficult for me to say no, but what we decided to do was to say yes to the things we're really, really good at and also what we enjoy the most because then we have the most fun with it and we can really help people. Like this is, this is going to sound weird. Um, when someone has a policy and there's a very, very complex problem, maybe it's a mech issue or PUA limit issue. I know those are technical terms, but it's a complex issue that the home office or customer service says, you can't do this, here's how it works. And I look at it, I'm like, no, you you can do this. It you can be fixed. Yeah, you know, I kind of yeah. view it like, <laughs> like, all right, you're got, you got to step onto the field here. That's your and, workout. That's your workout for the day. Yeah, and figure out how to move it down the field and score a touchdown. Right. Similar uh, with competitive cases. Like if you're going up against someone um, that's trying to use an emotional sale to capture the client, I'm like, yeah, no, like we're going to show them exactly how it works and they're going to work with us. They're going to work with the person they want, want to work with the most, but it's like, okay, people are going to see, they're going to believe what they see as opposed to what they hear. So if we're going up against someone that's just trying to use emotion and story selling, that's very effective, but when you've got something concrete in your face, like it's, it's like, how are you going to, how are you going to not go with that? Have you, do you think it's important to be, um, you know, with regards to planning and thinking about, and this is for anybody thinking about your future and your career and your your goals. Do you think it's important to be less income focused or driven and more kind of process driven? Or you know, these are the steps, or this this is these are my goals. I've always found that like when I'm when I'm if I'm putting down a list of of goals or things that I want to accomplish, whether it's broad or or specific to a to a certain project um it it really shouldn't have anything to do with money yeah. or income you know or or if it does i feel like i'm 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 getting off track a little bit does that make sense do you, do you feel it, feel that it, at all? it does yeah i mean you do see individuals that are in this business and they're very money driven and then some are not typically i've seen the individuals that are not money driven I mean, more or less they they're driven by their results and they they care about the client they want to make sure that everything 
works out for their clients, for their employees. They they care, just to yeah. summarize with that. Those individuals I typically see do a lot better from a monetary position. They're less stressed out. They've got a lot more joy because they're focusing on what they want to do. Nothing wrong with trying to build a business if you're in it for the money. I mean, that's that's what yeah. business is at the end of the day. Um, for us personally, like for me personally, it's not it's not the money. Like I have a lot of fun with the business and playing the game, right? If it's designing a policy or helping explain that to someone that that moment where they get it, see how they can use the policy and then help them navigate it over the years and such. Like that's a lot of fun. That's what we're really, really good at. And if you do that right and, and everyone can sense that you know what you're doing or they see that you know what you're doing and that you care, like the money will come naturally. Um, so did it's you like, feel, but was that, it was that innate with you? Like at a young age, you weren't really interested in chasing a dollar or um, did you realize that it was much more important to be, you know, kind of process driven, results driven, client driven and yeah. income follows? Yeah. So good question. Um, it wasn't money in the beginning. Like the first three years I, I made less right. than $20,000 combined over the first three years. Um, and a big reason why, because in year three, that's what I had learned as far as how to set up policies correctly, what not to do and such. And there were times, like if I look back, I could have easily sold policies where I could have made a lot more money. Sure. But in my mind, it would have been at the expense of the client because it would have gone with a much, much higher base premium, maybe used carriers that pay much higher commissions. And I looked at that and... I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And the main reason why is because knowing what I know as far as how a policy can be set up, what the client wants, maximum cash value, the people we were speaking with. It's like, if I sell them something different, like how would I feel if I were them? Meaning I'm approaching you. I say, I want a maximum cash value policy. You know how to do it, but you sell me something that is maybe 70% of what it could be. So you can put an additional 30% in your pocket. Like that, I'm like, I'm like, no, you can't, you can't do that stuff. I'm not going to do it. So your question was, was it process driven? Was it money driven? It was more so if I'm the client, like I wouldn't want this done to me or here's what I'm coming for. Here's what I want set up. Um, so that that's, that's how I started out. Your mentality a, has always kind of been uh, act as if you're the client. Correct. That's the most right. important thing to do. Be able to show yeah. empathy, put yourself right. in their, their what shoes. What if I was a client in this yeah. scenario? What would I want? Correct. And 99.999% of our clients, when they approach us, they're interested in whole life insurance policies with an objection of maximizing the cash value. Like that's the name. Of well, the game. you know what too, Steve, that mentality helps you uh, find what you're passionate about. Because if, you try, if you're always putting yourself in the client's shoes, then you're going to gravitate to solutions and processes and just kind of mentality of what's best for the client and, and what's best for you is yeah should, can be one and the same C correct yeah that's the game and yeah, yeah it, it took a long time to get it to that position because in this business like if a client's interested in a high cash value policy what is best for the client from a dollar standpoint, meaning more cash value, is not best for the agent from a dollar standpoint. 
Meaning if you maximize the cash value for a client, that will result in reducing the commission to an agent as much as you can. So just yeah. when you when you look at how it works, like you will be at a minimum. However, one, you're not going to be stressed out, right? You don't have to worry about, oh, did I do the right thing? Are they going to come back? Going back to the story, right? See that firm, clients would always argue and bring up objections. You don't have any of that. Two, the business stays in the books. There is a residual aspect to this business. But then three, your reputation will be intact. People will enjoy working with you. You'll get a lot of referrals. You'll get better at your trade and you'll build a healthy book of business. So the, the money does come naturally then. It's a snowball effect. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many guys I've worked with who, you know, at first glance looked like really high producing um, insurance agents. And when you dug into it, a lot of disgruntled customers, a lot of complaints, ongoing issues, lapses, um, clients who had had bought policies they didn't understand, and um, yeah, really a shame. That yeah, and that that's tough because when clients are upset, mistakes happen. I'll start with that, right? There's yeah. There's, rarely a case where someone does something wrong intentionally but there are many things an agent can do to ensure that that customer does not have complaints customer satisfaction and that has to do with the initial sale the education up front that is critical especially if you're selling a complex product if someone just wants to rush into it and they are led to believe it function functions in a certain way they say hey yeah, this dividend rate is 6%, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, how about this? It's like, all right, do they think that they're earning 6% of their money? Right. right. You've got to be able to discern when to in interject that and, and help clarify their understanding versus not. Little things like that, because otherwise, that's when a customer gets upset. They think they're earning a certain dividend rate. That's the actual net rate on their policy. And then they look at the numbers. It's not the case. Like, well, that agent told me that. Like, okay, the agent's going to say, no, we just brushed over it real quick. Or, hey, I don't remember that. It causes a big mess. And there's that's one example of a billion. So my point is the upfront education. And then on the customer service side, when someone really has an issue, taking the time to figure it out, taking the time to talk to them, give them a phone call, right? You're never above that situation. Like, I still do it. To this day, especially on, on small cases when issues pop up, it's like, all right, let's figure it out, guys. Sometimes it takes me a couple hours, but where we've gotten smarter is I'll record the process as much as I can so our team knows what to do next time. Well, you really do love what you do, and, and you found this area where um, yeah. you can expand and grow. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you, you, you guys, you and your team work very hard and put in a lot of hours, but I'm sure there's also a lot of hours where it really doesn't feel like work. You're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're out there playing the game. That's yeah. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I had called yesterday. I had a, a day where I was on a couple of different um, webinar calls, and then I had a stretch in the afternoon where I had four just kind of random back-to-back -back calls um, with brokers talking about cases uh, one was a new case, couple was case, cases in underwriting, and something else was a was an enforced policy. And I was on the phone, um, it's probably like an hour, 45 minutes. And it felt like I was just like on the phone chatting with wow. 
a couple of buddies because this is you know it was it was enjoyable yeah you know? nice that's, that's hard to find yeah that's your niche so how do you amplify that because that's what you're going to be most productive in you can help people really expand their business or right. problem solve right whatever issue they're working through how do you get more of that that's how i look at it's it it's funny because working with you know primarily working with mass for these last 11 years there's always ancillary things coming at you and i'm always talking to you about other lines of business and what we can do to expand and things of that nature but um so you walk a fine line because, you know, somebody's chirping in your ear, like, you know, I should really be talking about mass mutual worksite products. It's like, oh, it feels like that's taking me out of what I really like to do and where I make the most income and where I have the most success. So it, it's hard because you're always challenged with these other sources of revenue or other ways to have more of a sticky relationship with your clients where you become, you know, kind of their go-to for a variety of different things as opposed to one thing, and, you know? I do. I mean, that's a big, big reason um, we've elected to remain independent all these years, never looked at any career contracts or yeah. really being tied down to one company, or I could be a career agent with one company and still be an independent agent. But if I'm a career agent working with a company, that company is going to have an influence on where I place my business. They want the business going to them. When new products come out, they're saying, here you go. We want you to push this or please talk about this with your clients as much as you can. Here's our conferences and such. There's a lot of stuff there that's involved, which is not bad. They're trying to reward the people that decide to work with them. But at the same time, like if if I did that, I'm going to feel somewhat obligated to them to offer the products and services when it's not my thing. It's not really what I enjoy doing. So I'm like, no, I, I don't I don't want any of that. And that's at a stance. minimum, you're going to find yourself regularly entertaining ideas that right now aren't even bad ideas. But right now you would just kind of brush aside knowing that, you know, you feel like you're on the right track. Yeah. And that's going to take your focus away, too. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to really, really do well in business, find one thing that you're really good at and just do that until you're at the top of the game there and then consider bringing on another another uh, line of business or something else. But too often people start somewhere. It's exciting in the beginning. And then after a year, sometimes less, they say, OK, I'm going to do something else to expand even further when we haven't figured the other piece out. Right. Yeah takes a long time. Well, there's also a big push in this business, I think, that I've always found interesting. I mean, there's a lot of really successful people who have never really mastered anything, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of just kind of grow, 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 and, and, and not a lot of real deep dive or expertise in any particular area. And it works really well for a lot of people. Um, I guess folks who are kind of more pure marketers, you know, mm -hmm. that can yeah. be a spot where, you know, your business is sales and marketing and it's just kind of plug and play whatever the, the service is and lean on different partners to to get business done. But um, that's not that's never really been a, a strong suit for me, but that's always out there. And it can be enticing. It is. I mean, if I'm going to offer a service to clientele where we can service their life insurance, 
any potential annuities. Maybe we've got a brokerage service if we're going to manage money and such and just do everything in-house. Maybe we've got attorneys that draft trusts and such, everything for them. Like, is that a good idea? Yes, it absolutely is because Sounds it's a one-stop shop for the client. They don't have to work with multiple people, keeps things simple in that respect. However, how successful am I going to be at that? Right, Some things I can't do if it's drafting trusts or something like that. So now I have to bring an attorney in or partner with someone. If I'm trying to bring someone in, what's the quality? What's the level of expertise with that person? Because to find someone really, really good, in my opinion, they're, they typically have their own shop already. So what do you do there? In, yeah. And this is just my preference, in my opinion. I prefer to have a laser focus on the one thing that you're best at. And then if clients want other services, if you can find someone else that offer the service or services that they're requesting that is equally as good as you or better, that's usually what you should look for in that particular trade, then find a way to work with them or partner with them. Like that's that's what we do. And when I, when I say partner with them, like if I send a referral to someone that I thoroughly trust, maybe it's an attorney, we don't we don't get anything in return. From a financial standpoint and, and i don't i don't really care right because i know they're getting the clients getting a good service over there let them work with them um so that's another thing too from a business standpoint if i bring someone in house i can work at an arrangement with that attorney service or whatever that some of the revenue stays in stays with me like all well and good but at the same time you're going to be somewhat diluted from what you could get with a true pro or someone who's who's very very good at their trade you know, it's funny you put it that way. I never thought about this, but think about like a a B&I structure. Yeah. I was in a B&I group at one point, and I'm thinking more specifically about the, the trades, like the true trades. You've got a, let's say you've got like a, a, a landscaper and a B&I group who gives a referral to, you know, a carpenter or a roofer. They're not looking for a piece of the action. No. Mm -hmm. It's... This is our network. We refer business back and forth. We help each other grow. For some reason in our business, it's become anybody that you would refer business to. You're looking to go on the app. You're looking to split the case. You're looking to monetize that in some way. And maybe some of that's going a little bit too far. I agree. I mean, that's become the industry standard in many ways. Yeah. Um, and it happens in so many in industries. Can Is there an affiliate arrangement where someone can get business for, sure, for sure. referring individuals? And I get it. Nothing wrong with that. Just how I view it, it does complicate things quite a bit, especially if you are putting someone on an application that got to be licensed then, um, if it's particularly for the life insurance. Like, I'd rather keep it very, very simple and say no to the individuals that that prefer to work in that other type of system. Nothing against them. That's just my preference. And it keeps life much, much less stressful for me. So that's a big reason yeah. why yep. you reduce stress. Yeah, we 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 strive for low stress. Yeah. Um, so listen, if you're listening out there today, I want you to try and keep in mind that uh, ultimate success comes from labor of love. Right, Steve? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're going to be successful and happy, it's got to be something you love to do, something that, you know, you can jump out of bed in the morning and and be happy that you're running into the office or um, answering client calls or reaching out to people. Something that really, uh, you know, you have passion about um, is where you're going to have the most success. 
any questions at any time about this talk or any of our talks, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Mike Courtney. This is Steve Parisi. Steve, have a great week. You too. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.